for a number of months, and I prepared it, and then last night God kind of changed things on me. Uh (laughs) Now you have to understand that's not my normal modus operandi. I tend to be a little bit uh, uh, logical, sequential. So I'm saying that kind of as a excuse. It's the Holy Spirit's fault. And if I don't communicate well, it's still his fault. But before I get to that, let me just uh, add a little addition to what I said last week. I talked briefly about, uh, to start about uh, different bricks. Each sermon or teaching is a brick in the wall, and it's not the whole brick. And I just want to say it's not the whole wall. Hopefully the, the brick is whole, but it's not the whole wall. And we've got to see them all together. But I just want to add one little thing. I ran out of time, and I want to add one little thing to make sure the brick from last week is set straight. And that is I ended up with saying that we're to read the Bible which is absolutely true. But I want to add this. We need to read the Bible to know God. Not to know doctrine. Not to know principles. I had a friend a number of years ago who was so excited. He ran a business and someone had talked to him about biblical principles for business. So he was so excited to read the Bible, to find these principles for business so his business would explode and he would be a millionaire. Fortunately, the Holy Spirit works and God is gracious. And uh, so we need to read the Bible to know God. And not even just to know the Bible, but to know the God who reveals himself through the Bible. Knowing the Bible isn't the goal. It's the means to knowing him. And so I just add that because I, I ended up with really a, an emphasis on reading the Bible. But we're going we're gonna to read the Bible now. So turn to 1 Peter. Holy Spirit, we're always dependent on you to lead us in truth. Probably more so today. So do what only you can do. Thank you for what you've already said to us. Thank you for the, the picture you've given us of your love around us, of the challenge to walk in obedience. We say open our hearts and continue what you've begun. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, how many say, yes? (laughs) I like that part. You are blessed. Do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord in your heart, or set him apart. Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you, a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. A reason for the hope that is within you. Do you have a hope within you this morning? Titus chapter 2, verse 13 says, Looking for the blessed hope, 
the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're getting the, the theme here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 from verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. That's always a good thing. How many of us don't want to be ignorant? Concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with him. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Why do we need to comfort one another? The context there is about personal loss. The loss of loved ones. And there's something that we comfort one another, that we have a hope that we'll be together again. But there's another part of it, a bigger picture. And that is that what happens around us requires something different. So over in Matthew chapter 24, starting at verse 6, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. That sounds like a whole lot easier to say than to do, huh? For all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilence and earthquake in various places. Well, I'm being really encouraged. <laughs> Thank you, Russ, for sharing this. All these are the beginning of sorrows or labor pains, birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. Oh, it's getting better. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake, and many will be offended and betray one another and will hate one another. And many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Says that word, sorrows or labor pains, birth pains, there's something of, about that of the contractions of labor. And there's something as the contractions get closer. Let me say this. We've been pregnant with the, the return of Jesus for a long time. But the contractions are getting closer. Having said that, that doesn't sound very encouraging. <laughs> so I want to help you out with this couple of, of thoughts and then we're going to get to a second part. First is we need to be careful in these days that we don't fight the wrong battles. 
all these things must come to pass. There's some things happening that if we don't see the bigger picture, we think we've got to fix this. And we end up fighting the wrong battle. We end up focused on the wrong thing. There are some things happening in the world that the bottom line is we don't need to fix it. We see nations against nation. And we think the problem is bad government, so let's fix the government. Luke follows up with this, and I like it in verse 20, chapter 21, because Luke says this, well, actually Jesus says this as recorded it by Luke in chapter 21 and verse 25 to 28, or let's just read 28. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. So when all this stuff is happening around us, if we're not aware of the bigger picture, we tend to think we have to fight this battle and we need to fix this. And what he actually is saying to us is this is his purpose and plan. Look up. In fact, we see something at the end of the book. Revelation chapter 22. Verse 17, and the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who has ears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Everyone who desires, let him take the water of life. Verse 20, and he testified to these things, says, surely I am coming quickly. Even so, come Lord Jesus. What does this mean? It means our hope is not in better government. Our hope is not fixing all the ills and the problems of the world. Our hope is in Jesus' return. Now, what does that mean? It means this. We don't have to carry all the things that are happening in the world. We don't have to let that weight us down. We don't have to get under that and feel like we're responsible. We have to go fix it. We lose our peace, we lose our joy, we become, comp we don't have to do that. We have to lift up our eyes and let the cry of our heart become Lord Jesus. Now having said that, that's only half the picture. The other half of the picture is on a personal level that's a big picture thing. But on a personal level, we just get tired. On a personal level, maybe you've been fighting with sickness. And it drains you. Maybe you're concerned for loved ones. Or maybe you've been missing them. 
haven't been able to see them, or maybe they've actually gone on to be with Jesus. But we get tired. Maybe you've been undergoing relational stress. Maybe you've even experienced persecution, injustice, maybe financial stress begins to get to you, especially when it's created by someone else. That really bugs me. But see, what happens is that all those things can add up to be a weight on us. And even though we have a hope of Jesus' return, we can still feel the weight. And so Matthew 11, from verse 28, Jesus says this, Come to me, all you who labor or are are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So there's a rest that comes from his presence. Jesus says, come to me. We say, come Lord Jesus. And he says, come to me. Come, Lord Jesus, you're our hope. And he says, come to me. I'm, I'm excited I could get yelled, sorry. One part, look up. There's hope. The other part is come to me and there's rest. Glorious church anticipates his return. And that gives us hope. But the glorious church also runs to his presence. And that gives us rest. We almost, it's almost like we have a hope that his return will be good because we experience his presence now. We know. He doesn't want us to come under the weight of what's happening in the world, but he also doesn't want us to come under the weight of what's happening in our personal lives. And we all face those things. So I want to ask you this morning, Have you felt overwhelmed by what's happening in the world? If you have, let me comfort you, because that's what Thessalonians says, comfort one another with these words. Jesus is coming. If you felt overwhelmed by what's happening in the world, let me comfort you, Jesus is coming. But if you felt overwhelmed by what's happening in your personal circumstances, let me encourage you. Jesus is here. Come to him. See, we can get so busy that we miss the greatest part 
We get so busy doing the things. I happened to read something this week, and it, it hit me. And it was actually one of the scriptures I shared last week. Jesus says, John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I focused on Jesus being the truth. But what God spoke to me this week was the goal was coming to the Father. It wasn't being truthful. Though that's part of it. It's actually coming to his presence. Our sin has been removed. We can, come, we can rest in his presence. We can be encircled with his love. We can partner with what he's doing, but it's not a pressure. It's not a weight upon us. It's not something that we have to, it's a rest. Just enjoying him. How many of us have been in the place where we've been striving If we could only get to this, if I could only pray more, if I could only do more, and there's something that the world picks up on that and it puts a pressure on us. What does that mean? I I don't know. I'm going to ask uh, the worship team to come back. There was two songs. I, I, I'm going to leave it to Tim because the, over the storm, fixing my eyes on him, but also the blessing both hit me this morning. And there's something of that. And I'm going to ask you if you'd stand. But before we get into that, I just want to get them set up. I'm going to ask you if you'd just bow your head for a second. If you have felt overwhelmed, or maybe not overwhelmed, but just anxious, worried about the circumstances in the world, I'm going to ask you if you just raise your hand. Just hold up, because I believe the presence of God, He wants to turn our eyes on Him. If you have personal circumstances in your life, that in the ongoing battle of that you have felt tired and weary I'm going to ask you to raise your hand Jesus says come to me and I will give you rest doesn't mean that all the circumstances change that's what I would like to see happen but that isn't what he does He actually just pours his love into us by his presence. And so as we begin to to just spend a couple more minutes worshiping in his presence, will you just allow him, will you turn your eyes off of the circumstances and to him? The word was, will you listen to his voice earlier? His voice is, come to me. 
come to me. We say, come Lord Jesus, get us out of here. And he says, come to me and I will give you rest.